Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Howdy, all. It's Friday. Uh... <laughs> And in Buffalo, I have to I have to bring up this weather this weather update. Schizophrenic Buffalo weather, Peter. Yesterday it was uh, last week when Russ was here. Maybe this has something to do with it. It was minus four uh, Fahrenheit. That's yesterday it was sixty one. Yeah, it's sixty two today here. Yeah, and it and it rained torrential downpour last yep. night, which basically melted all the snow. And as I'm driving uh, for coffee this morning, there's flashing on the highway. Winter storm warning, 1 p.m. Friday to 1 p.m. Saturday. So we're going to get a fresh new blanket of snow to, to replace the old crappy snow. Cry me a river. It's minus 30 here right now before the wind chill. Wow. <laughs> minus 30 Celsius. Wow. Oh, my God. Put on okay. a sweater, man. Yeah, All right, yeah. uh, all right, Russ, you had some NFL stuff. All right, so, yeah, let's let's preview the Saturday games for the NFL because <clears throat> it's Friday. We'll do the Saturday ones. I don't care as much about the Sunday ones. The um, the Steelers-Jaguars one is an interesting one because, like, last week I, I watched some of the Jaguars game, and they do have a great defense, but Blake Bortles can't throw the ball. Like, he literally ran for, like, 80-something yards, and if he didn't do that, they'd have lost. Yeah. So – even though the Steelers are giving quotes like they're looking ahead to New England, I get why they're doing it because Blake Bortles, you're going to let him beat you throwing, and he won't do it. He's just at, not a great quarterback. At a, at a certain point during that during that game, and remember, Tyrod Taylor, I'm not a big fan of Tyrod Taylor because he can't throw the ball 15 right. yards, and all he does is run, and he, you know, he, he is choked by indecision. At, at, at one point during the game, I said Tyrod Taylor – uh, was Aaron Rodgers compared to Blake Bortles? That's how bad Bortles yeah. was, and then he then he started to run, and there you go. But but Jacksonville but he can't has, throw. No, he can't throw. But Jacksonville has beaten Pittsburgh. I think they beat him both times. I know. So I mean, you can say that that the regular season is meaningless, and usually that's the case, especially when it comes to the Ottawa Senators beating Toronto. Um, but uh, they have a good receiving core. That Juju Schuster is somebody I wrote about a couple weeks ago. He's he's come on lately. I think the Steelers will win this one. It might be close. Now, here's the fun one. Okay, so now the Eagles-Atlanta game. Okay. Now, I've never heard a fan base, and I'm not going to include Anthony in this, just so you know, Anthony's not included in this, but I've never heard a fan base just cry about how yeah. they're the underdog, how they're a three-point underdog. But I don't think these people understand how the NFL works. Yeah, This is basically Nick Foles against Matt Ryan. Yeah. And, and at the end of the day, Ryan made it to the Super Bowl last year and had a lead on the on the Patriots at halftime. That's what they're going for. They're going by the strength of that. And what's interesting to me is, and Peter, you could chime in on this, the biggest thing that Eagles fans seem to be holding their hat on is, hey, it'll be a 30-degree day when the game starts and they're used to playing in a dome. And I'm like, this is, this is the 21st century. I don't think players are bothered by weather anymore. Oh. No, they are. They are. 
They're totally bothered, and it, and it matters. And you know I what? I see guys throwing no matter what the weather is. Now, tell me about the Miami Dolphins playing in Buffalo, and I'll tell you about players yeah. that are affected by weather. It there looks, are some teams I, that just – This isn't minus 15 degrees. This is 30 degrees and some rain. Doesn't, doesn't ma- it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Ah. Well, I, I'm going to tell I, you. I, mean, I think it doesn't – like at 30 degrees, it doesn't matter as much as minus 15 or right. whatever. That's what or zero, Right. But it has an effect. The wind kicks up, a little bit of rain, you know, it th- makes a mess of things. Just be thankful that you don't have Walsh as a kicker on either of those teams. <laughs> Here, here's yeah. to me the big factor. Big factor is Atlanta's got the best quarterback and the best receiver in Julio Jones. That's a plus for them. In the Eagles game. might have a better defense, but as we've noticed the last couple of years, defense doesn't win Super Bowls anymore. Yeah, it it's – it- it's surprising, and not that I'm into the betting lines, but the, it was stark when the, when I heard somebody saying that I believe the Eagles are the first number one seed to be an underdog. Yeah. Uh, and, and 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 that's, that's because of Nick Foles because he's looked yeah. horrible in in all but one of his starts, and that one really that game they they kind of, I think they got kind of bailed out on a uh, on a penalty. Otherwise, but that but wouldn't have turned out well. He's not good. But let's let's just say this: the only thing that the Atlanta Falcons have proved they can do in big spots is choke. But so, they got to the Super Bowl. This Eagles, team I, I know they've gotten to the Super Bowl and they choked it away. They, they yeah, sure, they, that's fine. But I mean, that's the same as saying the Buffalo Bills. But the Buffalo Bills made it to the Super Bowl all those years, so they knew how yeah. to make it. I'm they choked. Against, they choked against the Giants. No, I know that. I'm saying this is the experienced team. I'm going with the experienced I, team. I get that. Simp- and and here's the other thing. So I don't know if you guys follow Doug Peterson at all or not as a coach, but he clearly is a, a throwing coach. He's like Andy Reid in that way. Now, every week he says, we're going to run more, and then every week when his back's against the wall, they throw more. It yeah. doesn't matter if it's Nick Foles or it's Carson Wentz. It's what he defaults to. And it's a shell It's a shell game, Russ. He's hoping that he convinced the, the, convinces yeah. the other team that he's going to run. It's yeah. like it's like, a, it's like somebody saying, okay, well – you know the Buffalo Sabers are going to try to play a, play an up tempo Vegas Golden Knights type right. of uh, performance, but they don't have the players that the Ve- that the Golden Knights do. So right, all right let's I'm let's just say at the end of the day, they're counting on Jai running for all these yards. Jai has bad knees, and I've seen this guy fumble, so I don't know if he's the guy that you're really counting on. So I think Atlanta will win this game. I think that's why they are the favorite, and I think fans are going to just be upset and let them be upset. The question is, will there be snow for them to throw snowballs with batteries in them? No. No, there won't be snow. There won't be anything like that. Will Santa Claus be there to be booed? Nope. Nope. Okay. It'll just be Matt Ryan being the better quarterback. And Matt Ryan's local to this area. He's from, like, Westchester, PA. And so it will be – that guy returning to where he grew up to beat the Eagles in the playoffs, and yes, they'll be the first team since the merger to probably lose home field and not be favored. Who cares? Um, unless I'm bored out of my mind, I won't be watching any of it. Uh, hello, hockey. Hello, hockey. I'm, I'm going to be laying on the couch. What am I going to do? Sorry about that. Hello, hockey world. Today is Friday, January twelfth, twenty eighteen. I'm Peter Cassie uh, from very cold Winnipeg today. I'm Russ Cohen from Sportsology, where it's 63, but it's really rainy, so it doesn't matter. And I'm Michael Agello, and we're preparing for the apocalypse here in Buffalo, and this is the Hockey Buzzcast here on HockeyBuzz.com. Uh, Russ, the press conference today for the ownership 
switch over from uh, Peter Carmanos to Thomas Dundon was held in Raleigh today. Uh, I know Bettman was was there. I didn't get a chance to really listen to it. I was getting ready for the show, um, but it's yeah. But it, it it does sound like that there you know there is no chance that a team that a lot of people thought. Uh, was penciled in for a potential move someplace else is going to move anytime soon. Right. Now, this definitely solidifies them. I know Gary Bettman was was getting mad because he felt like the information was unfounded or maybe some of the teams that wanted a team were looking at it. But if you did, and Peter would look at it, if you did look at the financials and saw that Carmanos couldn't come up with a deal, mm. it didn't look good. But what we found out today is that Dunning's first deal got turned down by Carmanos. And then he was all bummed out because he wanted the whole team and Carmanos wouldn't sell the whole team. So I get that. So then there was this sort of, you know, back and forth that went on and, and, and now he's got 61%. Mm -hmm. The positives that you could pull out of this, if you're a um, Hurricanes fan is you've got Ron Francis, you've got a lot of good young players and you've got the, the shell and, and really the organization is deep with prospects mm -hmm. of just the right things. You're, you're, Debt now is much lower. You've got a young, energetic guy in charge, and that's the biggest thing. When you see Peter Carmanos, who's 75, up on the panel, mm -hmm. and Tom Dundon, who I don't know how old he is, but he's probably 50, there's a big difference in the energy level. Sure. And so this guy is going to bring instant energy, and this guy is now a hockey fan, and he said, yeah, I'll probably make irrational decisions. Like he's a very – even though he's a rich guy – He's a very relatable guy for the area. So I think he'll draw people kind of like Pat Croce did with the Sixers here years mm -hmm. ago. I think he's got that kind of personality. So those things are big positives. Yeah. Oh, the, 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 you know, and Peter, the only thing I can draw <laughs> as, as a comparison uh, is the reaction in Buffalo when Terry Pagula bought the team from Tom Galasano. Remember, the, the, the basically the, the Sabres were on – rent control and welfare for years they were they went bankrupt uh galasano picked them up for pennies on the dollar uh he had a he had a strict budget darcy regeer and and lindy ruff had to operate under that budget for years and when they when galasano finally sold the team to uh to pagula who is big billions in oil and gas he came in and right away it was like okay let's spend some money and they first they they traded for Brad Boys at that at that time was a, a decent second line score, and then they went out in free agency and spent stupid money on Christian Erhoff and Billy Leno in a market where you know the, they there wasn't great. The free Billy Leno contract was awful. Yeah, right. Then there wasn't great free. Erhoff was bio proof, or right. it wasn't bio proof. It was just nasty but right. darcy but darcy was drunk with 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 money yeah. and he said okay I, I i can go out and spend because i got backing from the ownership right. and it, it turned out not to be the good move now i i don't know anything about thomas dundon and what he's going to do in carolina but russ is right this team is maybe i mean they're right now in the second wild card spot i think they're a score or two away from being you know, not a. I don't know if they will threaten Tampa Bay, but I think they can make the playoffs. Oh, I think they could. I yeah, think if they could scare, put a scare at a few people. So if things broke right. I mean, I'll give you a couple of things. Like Dunnan well, said, he's not necessarily spending more money. And Francis said, "I'm operating the same way I used to." Now that they also said, "Hey, if the right guy comes along, even if the revenues aren't where we want them to be yet, we probably will spend the money." But he's not going to just spend it to spend it. And I think that's yeah. smart. 
because yeah. they're in that mode right now where that team is that, yeah, they could be just like Buffalo and you put two bad contracts in there and then all of a sudden they're hamstrung for a yeah. couple of years. Yeah. Just because the ownership changed doesn't mean the realities of the economics of the, the situations done. It just means you're, you're, sh- you're farming out the back-end responsibility of ownership. Right, what right. this reminds me of a lot a lot of, and it's something that gets people forget about this, but the Vancouver Canucks had a financial boondoggle in the 90s. And eventually what happened was once they started having to pay out these contracts, first Kirk McLean got one, then Trevor Linden, then they had to do Pavel Burry at $5 million a year. All of a sudden, Arthur Griffiths and his family realized, we don't make enough money elsewhere to go right. into where this is going. At that point, we already knew the Jets were leaving Winnipeg because Barry Shankaro realized, I can't afford this. And he brought in John McCaw, cell phone billionaire from Seattle. And McCaw was a very silent owner. This is a, d- a different scenario in ownership, but we're talking about Russ. But it provided the franchise with some energy and some stability. And it's a very... And that can and and it's nice to hear Francis say he's not going to operate the same way because then the Canucks, after being close to '94, went out and did some dumb things. Right. We and we all know what they are. One started with a 36-year-old Mark Messier. Yeah. The other started with that trade to get um, Alexander McGillney, mm-hmm. and then they just it just it unraveled because you got a false sense of security because your your back end your financial end of ownership is solved. And maybe they're enabling things. It's a shiny new toy. You've got some money. But the Canucks also had to sell a certain number of season tickets in 1997 to meet the Canadian assistance plan. Like it wasn't oh, okay. always a great story there. And and it's great to hear that Carolina is sitting there going, okay, we've, we've solved this ownership issue, but mm-hmm. how we operate our business doesn't change. And that's hopefully the best way for them to go. Right. And Hopefully, they're trying know, to increase that and the board of governors is giving them some guidance on that. Don't be yeah. sailing. Yeah, they're trying to ex- expand <clears throat> their season ticket base. The interesting thing that Carmano said, which I do think is fair, is that you know they made it to the Stanley Cup the year after they didn't make the playoffs, and in 2009 they make it to the conference finals the year after they don't make the playoffs. They weren't constantly in it, so then it did take fans in and out of it, and it was right. harder to sell tickets that way rather than. Hey, if you're good for 10 years, you know, there's always that optimism. So I do think that that was like sort of like a weird thing that happened with them. And that's yeah. why I think, you know, Ron Francis has built stability into this franchise. Well, if you if you look at if you look at the Hurricanes team that won the Stanley Cup, it was a team of mercenaries. It was, it was. Rob Brindamore and a lot of a lot of older players. I mean, they had young the young Eric Stahl and the young Cam Ward, but I mean, it was basically was young, but they mainly were old. Right, exactly. So, and that was not something that that could last. It was not something they they could keep together for years. This is a team where they they have a lot of young players. They have a lot of young talent. That I think that you know we've questioned the the, the Scott Darling signing, but right now you know he's starting to pick it up a little bit. Ward has played. They better. don't have one outrageous contract though. That's the one thing no. in their favor. No, they they don't. But but I also think there's no that, Alexander Semin contract. Yeah, I also I also think though that they they. They are loaded in one position that would enable them to be able to make deals without going out and spending money like Francis right. is saying they're not going to. They're loaded on defense. 
They have the deep, deep depth on defense. Mm-hmm. And I think they're one, like I said, one or two scores from being a threat in, in the Eastern Conference. You know, that it may cost them a Noah Hannafin. It may cost them a, uh, you know, a Jake Bean or somebody like that. But they have the ability to go out and get those players. And I think maybe with new ownership, they'll have a little more confidence to be able to do that. So yeah. that, that's where I think they're going. They have enough depth on their on in their blue line group to make and Mike, we were talking about this sort of yeah. earlier day in the DM to make that proverbial hockey deal. Yes. To to do it, the cliche thing to to benefit their team and someone else. It's just a question of you know, is the other party going to have the right cap space and conditions to make right. the deal? Well, and here, fine- here I'm gonna give you I'm gonna take a page out of the hurricanes passed and tell you they should reapply that. So, and I forget what year, might have been 2002 when the draft was in Carolina. Okay. They moved up to get Andrew Ladd. And, yep. and that worked out really well. Right now, if let's say, and we don't know this, but let's say Hannafin isn't going to resign, right? And they think they're going to have to trade him. Or it's going to get, or it's going to be a Truba situation where he holds out. Yeah. Right. Either way, maybe I'm going to dangle him at the draft and move up in the draft. And try and get either Svechnikov or Zadina or a guy who I believe will be a top line scorer that we need that we could get in there in the next two years that will really transform this team. And I think as a new owner with energy, yeah. You're better off doing that move through the draft than you are in free agency. No, because then you can retain that guy for seven years, you right. know, yeah. basically qualify. And, and, and it's also shuffling the deck chairs on where the salary is going too, right? Right. It's buying you a little bit of time on salary. And, and and that's probably a small thing too. But it also allows, and Russ, I, I really like your point about the new energy. I think that's super important because. Well, I can see it maybe, in the press conference, you know. It's, maybe you don't need the energy with a checkbook to sign people and pay players, but you need it in your marketing. You need it in what you yeah. want to present as the vision. And if you're a team that financially markets a bit of a, you know, up and down, as you said, you've been in and out, you've been a team that's been a, a, a contender and not, and how do fans need to go? You need to rebrand yourself too in the market with the new ownership as well. And that's, that's far more, co- that's far more co- like cost effective. If you're doing things right behind the scenes, then blowing $40 million on the wrong player. Right. And that's what I'm saying. Move up in this draft, get a key offensive player. Yeah. And I think that's what – because, look, they may make the playoffs, they may not. But if they don't, this is a great opportunity to get your fans involved. Great year. And I, I, I mean, speaking of that, I mean, we'll, we'll obviously you'll be talking about this as we get closer to it. But this, this is another year where there could be a lot of really interesting things going on in the draft based on how deep this draft could be. Right? Yeah. Now let's 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 touch on some of the games and some of the things that happened in the games. There's some. Um, I haven't seen this other than it being reported from Sportsnet's Hockey Central, but in the 5-1 game, uh, Calgary beating Tampa Bay, Victor Hedman had a collision with. Uh, it was a uh, Hathaway, I believe it was one of the one of the. Uh, I think uh, that's right. Yeah, I remember seeing it last. And night. it was an it was an awkward looking knee to. It was not it was not purposeful. It was not like no. Brian Marshman type of thing. It was just a collision, no. and, he, and he hit him on the side of the left knee, and it looked a little unnatural. And um, Nick Kiprios or Doug McLean was reporting that Hedman's out for the year. Now I haven't heard that from anywhere else, so I I, I don't know. I'm assuming if it's that, it's an ACL. Um, right. but. This is, you know, this was a freight train that was going towards the Stanley Cup. 
the the, yeah. the Tampa Bay Lightning. I mean, not not you know even I I don't even think a Stamkos injury uh, would have derailed it because they've dealt with Stamkos being out for long stretches. But Hedman is maybe the one irreplaceable piece because you know defense is so tough to replace now Sergachev has had a great rookie year but now you know if, if but he's got is, protected minutes like right. he, they know yeah. that he's got some flaws defensively yeah now headman you know headman um is a 25 a minute guy so yeah. does this i mean i think it slightly derails their chances but how oh, yeah. much how much does it affect their chances of Head, winning well, headman was a norris candidate like i mean yes. and you, you just don't replace that like i mean he is probably it had been played in if had been played in a canadian market let's put it this way mm-hmm. you'd be everyone would be talking about him on every sports broadcast that the team just think about on. how much they talked about tyler myers and Hedman is head and shoulders better than him yeah <laughs> no slight to myers i mean myers is a good no. player yeah but i mean Hedman is the elite of the elite yeah yeah and, Although and- i will say this I'm really getting tired of everybody saying, well, Hedman was my Norris. And it's like, you know, nobody is giving John Klingberg any credit. But this guy, if he ends up with 75 points playing defense for Ken Hitchcock, uh, he's going to have to be in the Norris conversation. I know people don't want to. That's, you know, I hadn't thought about that point, Russ. No, but but you know what it is? (laughs) Here's the thing. It's true. I'm on the East Coast. I get it, right? But I watch as many West Coast games as I can. But the point is, people seem to be – defaulting back to what John Klingberg was a year or two ago, he's a different player now. The offense is the same, but the defense is a lot better. And I think maybe by the end of the season, they'll start giving him credit. Now, Hedman could still have won the award. There's no question. And, and, and maybe and he'll to, come back. Maybe and, he I, and I have to I have to say, I don't. we don't know for sure if this is the diagnosis. No, I've we been, don't. I've been scanning Twitter the last, in the last 15 minutes, and there has been no confirmation other than this report out of out of uh, Sportsnet. But uh, you know they do have their sources. So They've got I, assets to make a trade, though. Clearly, yes. And 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 that's where I was going here, Russ, because you know the the number the number one uh, UFA rental defenseman is Mike Green. Obviously, right. Mike Green is not a replacement for Victor Hedman. But you know the the names that have been out there. You know, we've talked about Carlson. I, I don't think it's realistic that Carlson gets traded in season um, because it would just be it would just be too much, too much, uh, too big of a deal that would happen before the deadline. But there are there, you know, the, there's the, the name of Dion Phaneuf has popped up. I don't think they're going that direction, but there are names out there, possible <laughs> players who could step in and help fill the gap if Hedman is gone. But I, I don't know, I, I, Peter. I think they're. I think if Hedman is out for the year, they're going the rental direction. Yeah, I think so too. And and I mean, because like Tampa's dodged a couple cap situations quite deftly, but they've got a looming one coming again. I mean, because yeah. remember, Kucherov's an RFA, and he is going right. to get a lot of money, or a short-term and, deal for good money, one way yeah. or the other. I mean, what whatever it is, so they don't want to take someone on that that's a liability that's too big a liability, and particularly if you think to replace Victor Hedman, you're going to have to go. Where where does that put you in if you're actually looking for a true replacement? The cost. No, I think they'll get Green. I think I think Green will be the guy. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but that's going to mean more minutes for like Andre Schuster, who again I watched the other night. Yeah. And and he's pretty much the answer. He's Tampa's answer to Roman Polak. Like if you want to look for 
The no, don't don't pad. don't put it. Don't put Roman Polak down. Polak's please. a little bit better, Mike. He's a little better, and, he, and he's about six years older. And yeah, no, I know the, with this, with, can't even move out there. It's crazy. What this means is increased minutes for guys like Cuckoo and Dachin, and I think they'll they'll and elevate. They can handle it. I think those guys can handle it. I think they'll elevate Sergachev because he's had yeah. such a good year. But I I do think that, and you know, the 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 reported cost uh for a guy like Mike Green is a first round pick. I don't mm-hmm. think Tampa Bay with all their prospects prospects that they have in their organization would hesitate. No, I don't think they'd hesitate. Right. Yeah. Now, you know, they have other other areas that they might have wanted to address, but if Hedman is out for the year, that that I think number one on their list automatically becomes a defense. I'll tell you what, number one for me for that team is at some point I got to put Ryan Callahan in bubble wrap so I know I'd have him for the playoffs because he's still massively important to that team yeah. if he could actually stay healthy. He does so many little things. We all used to harp on it. When he played with the Rangers, but it's really true. But he just can't stay healthy. Yeah, and Kucherov is eligible to sign an extension next July first. He has another year at four point seven million. But I'm I'm telling you right now, you're talking. I think he's getting ten million. Mm-hmm. If it unless it unless it he takes the hometown discount and the and the tax free situation. He's Russian. He will not take a discount. No. Right. So I, I think I think they've got a year and and change in Kucherov before he goes someplace else and and hits the, hits the mother load. Um, okay, Buffalo beats Columbus three to one. Linus Olmark makes forty four saves, stands on his head, and then of course this morning gets sent back to the American Hockey League. Now I don't I I, I don't know whether Buffalo has their five day buy. Their they probably break. yeah. If that's the case, then he'll probably be called back. But. Russ, I think, you know, Allmark has been lighting it up in the American Hockey League. He played great last night. I think this, you know, that this little test maybe was to see, okay, let's see if this is for real. And I think if there is someone kicking tires on Robin Leonard, that you could see that move happen pretty soon. Yeah, Allmark's a competitor. We've talked about him for years. I remember him bitching about, like I said, the Rochester Ice a couple of years ago yeah. when he was playing down there because it's an old rink. Mm-hmm. He's a good goalie. Now, he did something last night which normally would make me uneasy watching a goalie. Like, literally in the blue paint, he was just sort of swimming in the ocean, but he was making all those saves. Yeah. And if you could make those great saves like that, that's something Leonard can't do. Leonard's a positional goalie. He can't move around like the way that Olmark can. And so maybe Olmark is the better goalie for this team because mm-hmm. their defense isn't very good. And so, like, if you have the more athletic goalie, because I think the minute you – and this is what I keep saying. I know Leonard had a bad game last game. The minute you put Leonard – and I think this is very similar to Mike Smith. With a team that has a better defensive system, like if it was the Islanders, even with their guys out, he would look better. And just look – and we could talk about it when we get to it. Mike Smith, you know, looks like a different goalie now. We'd have told – if we made up a different name for him, we called him, like, you know, Tara Tusimoto, and and that's the goalie – for Calgary, we'd be like, hey, this guy's really good. But because it's Mike Smith and we know what he used to do in Arizona, we have to remember there's a lot of factors that went into that. Is he really good because he's better than what was in Calgary before, or is he really good in comparison to, to, to the league? Yeah. Right? Or I mean, is he really or is he really good? I think it's I think it's a couple of those things. Sorry, yeah. or is he really or is he really good because he's playing against arguably the best defensive core in the league? That helps. Yeah. But, you know, one of the things that's coming out of Calgary, I mean, there's a lot of criticisms in Calgary right now. Um, even, and, But, I mean, I, I think the Flames are slowly starting it to turn it around. I think they're going to be an interesting are. team to watch. But one of the things I saw um, spoken of was 
whether or not got there, there's a there's a feeling that Mike Smith's puck playing ability isn't worth what they think the value they think it is in terms of how it's affecting the team because it's leading to some mistakes it's leading to some problems and you know and, and the other thing too is I mean just because you're talking about Calgary is there four there is not a love for Travis Hamonick right now in Calgary he is well, not he, he really has not played the same yeah. I, I don't know what it is with Hamonick but I think at the end of the day, you could still count on him being a, a good defenseman. So I mean, I mean, yeah. I mean, right now his salary is that of a number four defenseman, and right. he's probably playing like that. I think their number expectation four. was that he'd be more than that, but you know, he's making less than four million dollars. That that's yeah. that's chicken feed now in the NHL for a defenseman. Yeah, I, the yeah. thing the thing last night was, and I can't remember because I was sort of falling asleep. I've got this allergy thing I'm battling, whether it was um, a penalty shot or it was in the shootout. But Smith made an unbelievable save last night that – penalty shot. It had to be a penalty shot. I think it was a penalty shot. And that's, what I, that's what I do think it was, which I didn't think he was capable of making. He really went down low. He gave the shooter nothing to shoot at low. Usually Mike Smith would have done the opposite. So I think just the move to Calgary has yeah. given him back his confidence – that he was lacking, I think, when Arizona was at their worst. Well, just just going back to Leonard for a second, Peter. I don't know if you saw the the Winnipeg game against the Sabers uh, when Leonard played and got pulled in the second period, I believe. But two of the goals. I mean, the first goal it was sort of like he looks to the heavens, and you yeah. know, you're never supposed to do that when you're a goaltender. There's clearly a crisis of confidence with Leonard in Buffalo. And then the second one was the the puck was a, a soft shot from the point that went through him like a hot knife through butter. I, I he think was partially getting screened, and I don't know yes. who the defenseman was. He turned his back to the shot and went like this, like yes. right in front of Leonard. Like I mean, block it or don't be there. Yeah. Now <laughs> while we're while we're on while we're on Buffalo, we would be well, actually there was more chatter about Calgary, so I don't know. We're here what? here's the last thing I'll I'll just say one more thing about Calgary because Randy Workman's saying, hey, the defense doesn't look good. They've got all the pieces there to have a yeah. good defense. So yeah. I'm not really worried about it. I think you you should be worried about it if it's April. I don't think you should worry right. about it now. But I will tell you what I really saw last night that I do think is a big key that I brought up last year is Mark Jankowski looks really yeah. good. And I'll say one thing just on that note to close it off. If the playoffs started today, Winnipeg would be playing. No, they wouldn't actually. Calgary's in third. Sorry, my mistake. Calgary's one of my top two teams that if you're a top seed in the West, you no don't way. play first round. Oh, absolutely. But they're, but they're no playing, they would be playing LA right now in the first yeah. round if it ended today. Now, like I say, we'll be, we'd be remiss if we didn't t ask you, Peter, regarding the, uh, the events that happened a couple days ago in Buffalo because – not only did it involve Evander Kane, the yeah. uh, you know the, the patron saint of, of of the city of Buffalo, and it also involved former Jet Zach Bogosian, who I didn't know until uh, it was reported that it was Kane and that rubbed out Bogosian in practice and that injured his ankle to the point of him being out four to six weeks. You know, a guy who continually has a problem staying in the lineup, and then mm -hmm. the Justin Falk that. The Sabers have not the Justin Falk of Carolina uh, mouthed off and called uh, called Kane selfish, and uh, then Kane had to do a sort of a, a half-hearted mea culpa with the with the media. I mean, this is par for the course, isn't it? Not it, it is. I think with 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 the idea of how Kane addresses things. Yeah, 
Look, the issue here is, is, is Justin Falk the person who should be calling out other players? I mean, I don't know. Right. So no, no. The, 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 and let me just say this: the so if, the person, the person who should be calling him out is somebody who is purported to be a leader on the team, which would be maybe somebody like Jack Eichel or yeah. Ristolainen. But the problem yeah. is, is that Kane is an older player who I think is a sort of a quasi leader on this team, and he's friends with Jack Eichel. So Jack Eichel is not going to undercut his friend. Yeah, but th there's a way to do that. You don't call them out. You talk to them aside, and that's what the best leaders do. I mean, you know, just to go back, because one of, uh, you know, two of Evander Kane's, you know, best friends <laughs> in the world, Blake Wheeler and Dustin Bufflin, um, you know, one of the things that happened after Andrew Ladd left was is Ladd and Buff are very close friends. And one of the, one of the former um, Winnipeg TSN host uh, Gary Wallace used to have this theory that maybe it was Ladd who was the guy who could get in with Buff and make Buff tick and get through to him. Okay. Seems that Wheeler's figured that out now. And but you know there needs to be someone to get through to Kane. And I just and maybe Eichel is that guy and he's got to do it. But that again, you know, that's putting a lot of pressure on a young guy. Yeah, it is. To take that on and 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 you know. We can look at, you know, and this goes into another argument too. Like you need guys who you could be the biggest plumber in the world. You could put me in an NHL locker room, but just because of life experience, I've got something Evander Kane doesn't have. And it doesn't matter whether I can skate worth crap or not. I just know things about life because I've lived it longer. I've seen different things and I've experienced more and experience has a value. doesn't mean I could get through to them. But it means I'd probably have the uh, have the ability to talk to him where I wouldn't be intimidated, right? Like, and 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 there's value to that. Unfortunately, it comes with a position and a cap cost that people don't like to sacrifice in, in the way the world in the way the NHL is. But if you're going to have an Evander Kane on your team, and he's not the only guy to be like this, he's just the most public about it, and well, he's the one who keeps doing it over and over again. You need a, you need a soothsayer. You need a Kane whisperer. Well, I mean, the the problem here is, and I, you know, it's not a big secret that I think that the the Sabers are are trying to trade Evander Kane. I think they're trying to get as much as they possibly can for him before the February twenty sixth trade deadline. And you know, does this incident affect the amount of value that Jason Botterill can get back in a deal for him? Because I mean, if it's a rental situation, and with you know, he's a pen, he's a a pending UFA, and a team needs scoring then I don't think it scares people away. But if it's a team that had the eye of maybe signing him and extending him, I, I don't know. I mean, I, to I me – I don't think any team has that eye. I think they're just going to use him as a rental. Yeah. yeah. And, and I think they, based, yeah. on, based on the Carolina-Washington game yesterday, mm -hmm. Washington's the team that could use him as a rental. because Oh, you know who else could? Los Angeles. LA. Oh, sure. L.A. And – but Washington's got more assets than LA at this point. Yeah, absolutely. LA's running out of assets. Where where Washington, like watching that game against Carolina, and 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 again, Dundon probably got real excited because the Caps Caps had a ten game home streak going right, mm -hmm. and Carolina just really suffocated the Caps offense to the point where you know Vetskin had a couple of good shots. Oshie was pretty much covered. And I get Burakovsky was out with an in, with an illness, but after that, they had no offense. Yeah. Like there was nobody that you worried about, maybe other than John Carlson, 
who on that offense, when he plays offense, I should say, uh, that was a worry. Like it was just the Caps, are, you know, they could be a very easy team to play against. Tom Wilson aside, yeah. they're, they're not that hard to play against. They're not that greasy. They're not, you know, they're not that in your face. And Kane would give them a greasiness and some size that might jar some pucks loose. Yeah, I mean, that, I was going to say, you know who else might be an interesting team for Kane? Is Carolina. Yeah, it could be. It, just look at Carolina. I know they want centers. Like, I know they've got a, they, <coughs> but they've got assets. Right. And you're not going to give up, a, you know, a prime D player for him because he's a rental. Mm-hmm. But if you looked at cities, if you had to say, where's the likelihood of him wanting to go if things worked well? LA's at the top. Sure. But but they're not yeah, going to get anything. Yeah. But Kane loved Atlanta. He absolutely loved that city. And now, look, Raleigh's not North Carolina, not, not Atlanta. But it's not far off from being a kind of place that he might really jibe on. Well, I'll give you I'll give you another scenario, another team that might might have interest in him, even though I think their focus will be on acquiring a goaltender and acquiring defensive help because they've had a couple of injuries on the blue line, and that's the New York Islanders, because and then the, and the Islanders have a ton of young assets, especially yeah. forwards, and you know there's some stuff that came out yesterday about Josh Hosang being down in, in the AHL and his coach calling him a baby. Um, you know, maybe, maybe potentially they're ready to move on, move on from him or, or Michael Del Cole, but I know that they're, I know well, that no, they're, Del Cole, I think is playing tonight. Right. I know he was an emergency call up, but I'm just saying it, it, yeah. it could be a showcase yeah. for us. I mean, yeah, it, Andrew it, Ladd is walking into the office and saying no. <laughs> yeah. But it's a rent, but it's a rental situation. No, Here's the thing about, all right. Just because you brought it up. The thing about Hosang is I don't know if anybody wants him because if they keep hearing all of these issues yeah. where he's really never proved it at the NHL level, right. it's going to be very hard to get any value for Josh Hosang. Yeah. Hosang yeah, no. is going to be on Canada's Olympic team in 2022. You heard it here first. That's where his that, that's where his career is going if he doesn't figure out some things between his ears. You mean you're talking about if the if the NHL doesn't go to China, you're talking about he's going to be on in, on the Olympic team. Yeah, minus NHL because okay. he's not. Yeah, because he won't be in the NHL. Right, he'll play be playing for SC Burn or something like that. Yeah, that's a good. Exactly. That's a good segue, Peter. Because I agree with you, Russ. If he doesn't straighten some things out, he's just not going to be given any more chances. The, no. the funny thing is, he's going. He's going down the road of what Anthony Duclair has had had gone down in Arizona. But at least Anthony Duclair had. Uh, you know, had, had a good season that people could uh-huh. say that that could whet people's appetites to say, okay, we'll give him a second chance. Hosang had some moments last year, but really, I mean, it, it may not be worth the bother with all the problems that have, have popped up. Even going back to his draft year, drove his stock down in the draft, and he, it's just been, you know, he gets sent he gets sent back to junior in his first day of training camp. I mean, these things, you know, they they affect the value, and that and you know that's why I was saying with with the Sabers and Evander Kane, you know, these little things that happen, you know, outside the arena or in practice. I mean, they can affect the value of what a team wants. Absolutely. To get. I mean, remember, I mean, Hosang had to run the steps, and then they sent him back to the minors a couple of years ago, and then we thought, okay, he's sort of getting past it. And now he gets healthy scratched and his coach calls him out. Yeah. Like these are things where, you know, if I'm another team, what am I really giving you asset wise, knowing that I now have to sort of turn this guy around? He has all the talent. 
Yeah. yeah. But, you know, there's a lot of guys that had all the talent and still couldn't turn it around. Well, well let's let's segue to the announcement. Now, the, oh, yeah. Team USA was announced. Most of them were announced on on New Year's Day at the at the Winter Classic that you were at, Russ. And Team yeah. Canada announced. And I have to say, Team Canada, forty five minutes of thank yous. You yeah. know, forty five minutes of thank yous. And please, just give give us the roster. People, they released the roster oh. while the thank yous were going on. Um, yeah. yeah. If you if you go ahead, Peter. I'm sorry. No, I was just going to say, there is an underswelling of discontent with hockey Canada brewing in Canada right now for a whole host of reasons. And mm -hmm. when you see stuff like that and, uh, and all this stuff, it really makes people question about what this sort of country's, you know, the, the, the blood and the veins of this country mm -hmm. is doing when you see that kind of stuff at the beginning, give us a team, let's get on with it. Guys didn't even know when they were getting phone calls after in, in, in Europe, after they found out like Quentin Hound didn't know until he got texts from his friends. Like, come on guys. Like, yeah. but the thank yous, that's important. Like, I mean, hockey Canada is a rudderless ship, like in terms of where it's going and, and its presentation and stuff, it's lost what its focus is. And that's yeah. a really prime example of what's going on in Canada with it. Now we, we knew, we, we knew that these, you know, these lineups were going to be most, you know, going to be nowhere close to what it would be if the NHL was in there. And if you look at team Canada's forwards, I looked at every, every single one of them played games in the NHL and from, right. from Rene Bork to Maxim LaPierre, even to Brandon Cozen, Chris, so, Kelly. Chris Kelly, Derek Roy, Lyndon Vey, Voltak Volsky, Christian Thomas. I mean, every single one of them played, played at some point in the NHL. And I believe with the defense, the only one I don't believe played in the NHL is Che Genoway, who I, I've never never heard of. Max no, Genoway, yeah, he did. Yeah, I, I know who he was. Yeah, okay. And then you know, Matt Robinson, Carl Stollery played with Colorado, I believe. Chris Lee, former Ottawa Senator. Mark Andre Gragnani, former Sabre. Cody Golubov. You know, so – but this is, you know, the, you that Russ. This is better in terms of players that were at least on the NHL radar at some time than Team USA. The collection. Th this is the problem that I have. Collection of Team USA is bad. The, the, you it's know, bad. first of all, first of all, we Peter, we were told there were there were there were some indications when Russ and I were at the World Junior that they 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 had only released one goaltender and that more than likely one of the two main goalies for Team USA at the World Junior was going to be included in the three goalies that Team USA had. It came, it came out yesterday. The third, the second and third goaltender is David Leggio, who used to play for the uh, Rochester Amherst. He's a Western New York native, which is great. And a guy named Maxwell, who I've never heard of before. And I usually know players even yeah. if they're you – know, He's they like play. 33 years old. Like Yeah. I mean the the the, co the collection the collection of players. I mean the one thing that I like for Team USA is young players: Will Borgen, Donato, Troy Terry, Greenway. Great, but the yeah. the, the the rest of them, you know, Bobby Sanguinetti, James Wisniewski, Noah Welch. I mean, I you know it. I don't think they did this on purpose, but I think that you know the the teams that Canada and the teams that the U.S. are sending there. I mean, it's going to make the IOC really hungry to make concessions in four years to get the NHL back. I, I mean, and, you know, I'm sure Gary Batman's sitting there when he saw both rosters and was very happy about that. Yeah. And from a, 
I actually kind of like the Canadian team. I, I, yeah, I, I, think, I think they've done an yeah, interesting... Like a bad news bears kind of way? Like, they've, what, what? they've done an interesting curatorial job of trying to find a mix of experience, um, know-how, and skill, and hope that they can catch lightning in a bottle. Right. So you'd rather right. have that than... A few more players like Kale McCarr, is that what you're saying? Right. That's, well, that's don't even problem. get me started about the controversy about that and what people like all the, I mean, the nonsense I saw on Twitter about, about you know, journalists telling a kid how to manage his hockey career. Yeah, oh, yeah. Please. Like, yeah. like, come look, on. We don't know if even UMass cleared them. We just exactly. know that exactly. Or or if Colorado or you know Colorado has his draft rights. He's a Colorado prospect. They may have said we don't want you to go. You played at the World Junior. You were seventh wow. defenseman there. Why why go there? And you know are, are you going to play behind a thirty six year old Chris Lee? Yeah. And that, that that's the thing. It's like I mean if he if he's going to go there and have a have, have a role, then great. If he's going to go yeah, there, if you're a one two guy yeah. and you know they're begging on your hands and knees, then you know what like. You know, Tom Rennie needs to be going down to to, to Joe Sackick's office and saying, "Joe, yeah, we like you know that's what happens. It's not about oh shaming the kid after he politely declines. I mean, come on. No, here, but, here was my thing. My biggest my biggest issue was, and, and at least the U.S. does have four young players, right? And I think Ryan Donato is a really nice player. I think Jordan Greenway is an okay player. I think. But they didn't bring along anybody with any dynamic right. offensive ability at all, like a Casey Middlestat, like a Brady Kachuk. Right. And I get it. They're young guys, but you know something? When you look at today's athletes, sometimes you could put them out there and there's not going to be an issue at all. If there's two guys that I would think that could do that would be Kachuk and, and, and Middlestat. I would just like to have heard that, hey, we tried to get them and we couldn't. Then I would, I'd get off it, right? I would leave yeah. them alone. I'm not. I'm not going to put any of these players down. Your country asked you to play. You right. played. Played. You know. You played hockey. You know. Either in the NHL or the AHL or the ECHL or in Europe. And if your country calls, and this is something, you know, it's going to be a highlight for some of their most of their careers. And that that's a great thing. So I I, I think that's fantastic. But from the from the from the fan perspective, from the hockey uh, viewer perspective. I look at this. I look at this uh, at this upcoming tournament, and I see you know Stefan Elliott and and Mark Andre Grandiani, and, it does, and I'm sorry, it may not be worth it for me to stay That's up at one o'clock in the morning. I mean, I mean, I'll, I'll give it a shot, but I, I really, it's like the these countries did not bring their best talent. <laughs> And that's where that's where I have the problem. If if you're Team USA and it's 1980, you're bringing the best college players, Mark Johnson, McClanahan, Ken Morrow. Mike, that's it, 38 years ago. I know, but but and, but and the difference that, is, is co the college hockey business now is a business. Yeah, it's no longer just an afterthought in the NCAA's plethora of sports. Yeah. It's a, it's a, Here's it's a funny a, thing, though. All right, so let's let's go back to you know Max Lapierre, right? Who I don't look at as an Olympian. His only international experience that I could find on his long resume is the Spangler Cup. Yeah. Well, I, I'll give you I'll give you two preliminary games before he's suspended for the tournament for low bridging somebody because he did that. Right. And, and here's the other thing. The other the other thing is. They could have the U.S. could have brought one young goalie. They because if nothing else, 
bring him along for the next Olympics if they're not going to go NHL again. As experience, yeah. As experience, that would certainly be a, a good thing. Again, like Jordan Greenway is a nice player, right? But he's a crease guy. If he's not scoring in the crease, there's nothing else he's going to do. At least Ryan Donato is a guy who could score from a lot of different areas, but he is a smaller guy. I, I, I just, again, there's dynamic names that you're not putting into this that I don't I, understand why. I don't see where I don't see where USA scores more than a goal or two a game a game per. per no, they might because we yeah. the other teams could be just as bad, you know. Like, but yeah. but I was yeah. reminded this morning that hey, like in '88, '89, not all the rosters were great guys, and it's true. Even in '80, no. not all of them were straight out of college, which they no. weren't. But I just feel like the talent level here is very low. For, yeah, but for you know what? Go, go back and look at the last. I just, in my blog yesterday, talking about the Olympics and stuff, I put the last non-NHL Team Canada roster in it. 94. 94 and Lillehammer. So yeah. on that team, um, Paul was that, Cree, the, was that the Peter Nedved year? Yes, Nedved, okay. who defected. I mean, yeah. right? Nedved, Paul Correa. Yeah. Well, there's actually a couple interesting names on there. And that's, and, and to Russ's point, It'd be very interesting to go and look at what's changed as to why we had access to those guys and why we don't now. And that's, I think that's an interesting story. And hopefully someone who's got some access to some of these universities can get in and maybe start getting into that stuff because it would be fantastic to find out why. What changed over that period of time, right? The only thing I can tell you from the USA perspective is it seems like they're going with a team that are smart players. Yeah. There's a certain amount of grit. There's a certain amount of size. Right. And they're hoping that that's going to, you know, hold back like the unified team, which is going to be hard to hold back. And I honestly, I have not even seen the Swedish or, or Finnish rosters, no. but I'm pretty sure they're going to be better than the U.S. Canada's roster is well, okay. But yeah. again, Derek Roy and Chris Kelly, those guys might not even make the series. They get banged up so much. Like you just yeah. don't know. But they've been playing. I mean, Derek Roy can make plays. I mean, that's all you need is one guy who can do something. And you, you, you know, and also, I mean, you got to look at when faced with adversity, who's ready to deal with pressure, forget the physical limitations of it. They're playing hockey, whether they're young, you know, spring chickens or, or 38 year old Brian Gianta. Yeah. Like you need someone who can do something. And right. we right. know the games will not be as fast as they have been in the past. There'll be no Ilya Brzezgalov standing there going, they came out like gorillas out of a cage, right? Well, that, 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 that'll that actually be the, the interesting look-in for yeah. me, Peter, is to watch the first couple games and to see the contrast between the yeah. NHL and these and these games. And that see, that's where I think after a while I'll tune out because if this is Spangler Cup quality... Yeah. Well, that's the whole thing. Like, like Peter, are you excited to see Ben Scrivens or Kevin Poulin. Like, come on. I, I'm not I, I'm not unexcited. I'm, I'm just curious. You might be unexcited if they're if, if all of a sudden I, they give up curious. two or three quick goals in a game and you're like, oh, my God. Here, here's why, Mike, and here's – I'll give you a point to this. You know why I don't – why I don't watch the Spangler Cup? It's got nothing to do with the actual quality of hockey. It's got everything to do with the rink, the jerseys, I can't distinguish what I'm watching because right. those things are littered with marketing crap. Yeah, it's like I can't tell what. It's like I can't see a number. 
It's like I watching can't... the Champions League. Yeah, exactly. Right. So, I, like this, it'll be clean. You won't have stuff on the boards. You'll be able to see numbers. You'll be able to like. You'll at least understand what you're watching. So, you know, you're acting like an 85 year old guy from Dubuque <laughs> that just wants to hear the story about Wolczek Walski coming back from his broken neck, or but you know, I'm David Lesko working about, his I'm way back into about the Olympics too. 80%. Like, like I, I, I mean, yes, these guys are pros. They played pro hockey. All right, let me ask you this. Let me ask you this. So you look at, let's say you look at the U.S. roster, right? Yeah. Is there anybody on that U.S. roster that you would put on the same level as Hillary Knight as an athlete? Like quality of being an athlete. Like to me, I'm watching the women way before I'm watching the guys oh, because the, look, the quality too, of athletes hockey, is so much higher. Yeah. And and and, and the fact that there's a – there, I mean – who doesn't want to watch a Canada women, a Canada USA women's hockey? Right. I, I'll watch that these, before I watch that's NHL. That's my point. These teams Every have time. been working towards that, right? That's uh, honest, honestly, Peter. And I've never been the biggest fan of the quali quality of women's hockey, other than the Canada US matchup. Yeah. That's the highlight of the, of the Olympics for me right now is Canada versus US in the gold medal game because yeah. I think that it'll, it'll be a competitive contest, and there's there's hatred there. There's yeah. there's there's national pride. But what yeah. I'm saying is, let's say you're you're watching NBC and they're doing a feature, Mike, right? And yeah. they're doing a feature on, let's say, you know, a figure skater who's been training for four years for this. And mm. let's say Woltek Wolski, who last year had a broken neck, he hasn't been training four years for this. They just threw him on a team. To me, right. but, but that's it's a whole different, different level of of athlete. It is different. But you know what? NHL players don't train for four years to do it. Yeah. No, but they don't have to because they're playing in the best league already. Yeah. And and I understand that, but like, look, it is what it is. So like us worrying about the quality, we know it's not going to be the same. But what I also don't like about Olympic hockey, just like I don't like the World Juniors, is that you take the best of the best and then you make it into some goofy format that doesn't represent the real intricacy of the sport. And the coaching is give them a three game series to decide a medal. Because that's when it that's when it really okay the coaching and the teams figure out because you start being able to adjust for things mm -hmm. you start well, being able to make adjustments. I don't right? think you could do it with the World Juniors because it's too long, but for this you yeah. could. Well, yeah. well, one 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 thing that we could hopefully be happy uh, and look forward to is that when the Canadians score a goal, we won't have to have to hear "Hey, baby, would you be my girl?" Um, okay, a couple couple a uh, couple news items here. Um, the mayor of the city of Ottawa, Jim Watson, uh, yesterday said that uh, the local government will not help subsidize a new downtown arena. In uh -oh. uh, yep. So now the the threat that was the the volley that was thrown by Eugene Melnick at the uh, at the, the the outdoor game between them and uh, and the Montreal Canadiens, where he would consider potentially moving the franchise. Now that sort of comes to the forefront. I don't think it's realistic, but now the ball's sort of in Melnick's court because they're supposedly not going to contribute anything like Edmonton did to, uh, to 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 their building, and that Calgary is looking to do uh, with 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 uh, their new building. But I, I don't know, Peter. That that franchise is in such disarray right now, and Melnick, I think, uh -huh. is just exacerbating the situation too. Yeah, it's. Civic funding in Canada for any kind of major project like that's going to be a sensitive issue right now. And it is in a lot of cities. But Melnick's approach to things is he's actually making Daryl Cates look competent. 
Like <laughs> that's that's the level he's going to right now. And I mean, if you're and and if you're Ken King and uh, Murray Edwards in, in Calgary, you're going, oh, keep going, Eugene. You're you're like you're making us look like angels. Like it, it, it's crazy. And, and, and you know what, and what's his face? Um, the mayor in Calgary, his name escapes me right now. Uh, Nemshi, uh, Nenshi, he's sitting here going, he's probably rubbing his hands together. Okay. Like Ken and Murray come back to the page. Look, you're not, they're not getting a plug sent in Ottawa and I'm willing to work with you guys. Like, well, I mean, good for the municipality for standing up. Because but this sounds like know, political posturing, doesn't it? It is posturing. Yeah. They also know that Melnick's in a bind too. Right. He's got no loyalty to anyone. He's, you know, and, and we're only hearing the polite stuff. Right. Right. I'm waiting. I'm waiting for Eugene Melnick to be spotted at a Quebec Remparts game. Yeah. It just, uh, because that's, because that's honestly, that's the next move. Just like yeah. Cates was at the Seattle Seahawks game and that yeah. got things moving in Edmonton. I know, I know that's, it's, it's an old analogy, but it yeah. did get things moving in Edmonton. And I'm telling you right now, if all of a sudden there, if all of a sudden Eugene Melnick shows up in Quebec city at that brand new yeah. building, all of a sudden people's sphincters in Ottawa are going to pucker up. Yeah. The, you know what? I don't understand why, uh, other other than Ottawa fans, who don't deserve to de deal with what he's selling in terms of as an owner. But the best thing for Eugene Melnick would to be not to own a hockey team. He's not. He, he it's it's a mess for him. But Get he likes owning it. it, so it doesn't but matter. He loves owning it. He wants to leave it to his kids and grandkids so yeah. i i don't know whether you know unless unless Batman engineers a way for him to make massive money selling that team and i don't know you know a team in ottawa with a with a fan base that doesn't show up when the team when the team gets to game seven of a conference mm -hmm. final that's not exactly you know i mean i, I understand his you know I mean, his complaints about his own fan base and he's not yeah. doing himself any favors by alienating himself against his fan base but i can understand why he's complaining about them sometimes yeah but to russ's point going back to where we started with the with the buzzcast melnick's been in and out of building a team for so long it's the same yeah. thing you don't like it, it's it's the you know it's chicken little all over again it's just like carolina they're in they're out how do you yeah. and, and and this is canadian fans they're going to pick up on the in and out even faster sure well two 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 brief things about the senators and then one one thing about vegas and then we'll end the show um there's been a lot of talk in the last couple of days regarding dion Phaneuf and potentially him being traded um now we know Phaneuf has got i believe he's got three more years at seven million you know, he. I think he contributed to the downfall of this team by not, not waiving the no the no move clause because I don't think Vegas would have claimed him, uh, which basically allowed Mark Mathot to to go to Vegas and then eventually to Dallas. And I think that's had a detrimental effect on, on the Senators issue because Mathot is the is was the defensive partner for for Eric Carlson. So it would make sense to move Phaneuf right now, I believe at 32 years old, but I don't think anybody in their right mind is going to trade for him and uh, trade for him at a $7 million hit, unless they're giving back a player of significant money back in that deal. Do you think that there are teams out there that would take Phaneuf at 7 million, Peter? No, <laughs> I yeah. just don't. Zero. Yeah. I, now I, I think it's, I think it's possible. If, and now I, I don't think there's any chance that Ottawa would retain salary, but I think that they would take a player back because a player is an asset, especially if it's somebody younger. 
But unless there's a team desperate for blue line help, and I, that's why I threw out Tampa Bell, though I don't think they're they're going to make that move. I I don't see them being able to move that contract. The only team I could see needing it is not needing it, but willing to make a deal for it mm. is is the Coyotes. And it's well, not that they need them; it's just that they could maybe sell back something a little cheaper that they don't need. Mm-hmm. and help and get another pick in the whole thing, which doesn't really help Ottawa anymore because they need to get The Coyotes already have Yarmelson they're going to have to unload. Yeah, and, and, and possibly Ekman Larson because he's one year away from being unrestricted. And, you know, I know, I know that they, you know, some people thought that the Richard Ponick deal that they just made was basically to get to the cap floor next year because it was $2.8 million and it wasn't a long-term thing, and that's probably why they did it. But, you know, I, I, I question what, what Chike is doing. The other, the other name that's out there and that's being bandied about re- regarding the Senators is Mike Hoffman. And, you know, I saw him play – on Wednesday, you know, Mike Hoffman's a good scorer, and he's, he's a good scorer, man. You know, and now, and yeah. his, and the, the, and this is where Ottawa is. The reason that they're going to trade Mike Hoffman is not because of his ability; it's because they they backloaded the contract. It was, I believe, a five year deal. It was the first couple years were under four million bucks, and now it balloons to over five or close to six. Right. And they don't want, and they don't want to pay that. So a team that's willing to pay that and is looking for goal scoring is going to be, you know, I've heard St. Louis is one possibility, but that's a that's a player that's a difference maker if you get him if it's a team yeah. who's going to now be he the- is way off the pace of two years ago though. Yes, like, like but way he's still, off. But he's still a good player. And no, he, he is. Yeah. He is. No, no the- and, and he's going to be a great pickup for someone if they can manage the liability going on going forward. Now, Russ, we heard this during the summer when the when the name of the Vegas Golden Knights was still in dispute, and it comes out yesterday that the U.S. Army has filed a trademark claim against the Vegas Golden Knights. Yeah, but um, but but they lost it already. Well, I don't know if they lost it, but I all I know is it, I, I thought they oh, did. I I didn't hear any. I, I would be surprised if it would be dis, if it would be uh, adjudicated in twenty four hours. It just I thought I saw out. that the judge denied it. Because he basically said, "I if I, I could be wrong, but I thought I saw the judge denied it." Because he basically said, "This has been going on for a year, and yeah. there's been no confusion." And I actually, I did retweet. I said, "It's not like the Vegas Golden Knights ever said be all you can be to sell tickets." Either. Well, that that see that the yeah. Vegas released a statement. Uh, and it says, we are not aware of any single complaint from anyone attending our games that they were expecting to see a parachute team and not a professional hockey game. Right. So they're—I mean—they're throwing—they're throwing shade at the army. The army's going to invade their ass. Yeah. <laughs> but anyway, okay. Uh, good show, guys. Uh, we will be back on Monday uh, with a new lineup. I don't know who, uh, but we'll—we'll we'll let you know before the show. Uh, for Peter Tessier, for Rusco, and I'm Michael Agello. Thank you for watching. And remember, without the buzz, it's just hockey. Step into the world of power loyalty and luck i'm gonna make him an offer he can't refuse with family cannolis and spins mean everything now you want to get mixed up in the family business introducing the godfather at chabacasino.com test your luck in the shadowy world of the godfather slot someday i will call upon you to do a service for me play the godfather now at chabacasino.com welcome to the family VGW Group. No purchase necessary. Avoid where prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.